Good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I just finished a workout. Oh, nice. Very good. Yeah, I feel good. I've been doing my uh, skiing prehab. Ah, what does that look like? Uh, squat variants mostly. Mm, ugh, leg so workouts are the worst, yeah. but I know they're super important. So <laughs> yes, and also like these, like I'm doing some weird, these weird like single leg variations to like strengthen my my knees and the surrounding ligaments and stuff. Don't want to mess up an ACL or an MCL, which is very common for skiers. Yep, yep, yeah. So doing these like weird twisting things and one legged things and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but hopefully it'll all pay off yeah how did, how did you find these did you just like search online for the best workouts for pre-prepping for skiing yeah basically just like prehab is a good is a good keyword here just the like okay what are the common injuries that people face during doing this thing and how do you try to head them off at the pass kind of thing yep yep cool yeah i'm a workout in and i'm in my second coffee and i'm ready to rock very nice very nice so I'm still on Pacific time and you can probably tell I sound like a frog right now because I just woke up like not that long ago. <laughs> it's 7.15. But I'm planning to do a workout right after this to start off my day. I've been like, that's been my flow here now. I'll either go for a short run. I can't really go for a long run because of my knees. Or my father-in-law is like a spin class instructor. So he's just been giving me like kind of one-on-ones, <laughs> which has been, mm, nice. has been cool too. Yeah. So I can't get into spinning i'm afraid yeah i mean it's a poor approximation of the joy of like cycling like i love i love being out on my bike it's just like all the pain with none of the actual like payoff of getting to whiz by nature really fast you know i I really want spinning to work for me because it's like easy to do and i think the classes are like 40 or 45 minutes that's like a great length that's like my attention span for exercise (laughs) most of the time but every time I do it, I'm just like, I just don't like this. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Yeah. I can't get into this. <laughs> yeah. And the like, the goofy like, all right, now let's sit up and like do some arm things to like try to make this a full body. Thing. Like, oh god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I share your skepticism. I would ideally want to keep some of my biking fitness over the winter, but winters are long in Minnesota, so we'll see how effective that is. But spinning might be the only way to to stay close to that. So I don't know. I might. That's fair. I might try to yeah. power through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have some interesting CEO news in the on the internet that I thought we could talk about today. Oh yeah, let's do it. So two CEOs that I know in varying degrees uh, have stepped down uh, in the, and announced it in the last week. So the first is Chad Pytel, CEO of Thoughtbot. Really? Oh yeah. So I think he's been CEO for seventeen years. It's <laughs> a long run. <laughs> it's a pretty long run. Mm-hmm. And he recently agreed to step down to become COO and promoted another, I think it was a managing director from one of the other, I think the New York office into the CEO position. Very interesting. Like I remember talking to Chad and I remember him telling me like, yeah, if I thought there was someone that were, would be better at being the CEO, like I would have them do that. I, w- I would like give it up. And I was like, yeah, you say that. Um, but he, he did it. The madman. Did he publish kind of the context around why he did this? Yeah, yeah. So I think it basically turned into like the things that Chad was best at and liked to do were kind of operations related. So like at at ThoughtBot, operations is like around client work. It's like who's scheduled when, who should work on this project, how are the projects going, are the clients happy, that kind of thing. As CEO, he was doing a fair amount of sales 
I think that's kind of like the the CEO job of Thoughtbot is like you know has a lot of sales component to it, and he was good at sales, but like it wasn't like his unique skill, and he wasn't loving it or anything. So apparently, this person from New York is just better at the sales stuff and partnerships, which I think is also part of that. And he's just gonna he's gonna do the the organizational stuff. That is an interesting like way to break down the role of the CEO because I mean I guess consultancies are probably different than than SaaS companies in in a bunch of different ways. It's interesting that it wasn't just a shift of like I'm going to hire a chief revenue officer, a chief sales officer, or something like that, and like put someone in that role and re- retain the the CEO title. I suppose for that business, it makes more sense for that role to be in the CEO role. But yeah, it's just kind of an interesting interesting breakdown. Mm-hmm. It's it's interestingly humble, I guess, to me, where it's kind of just like yeah, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm best for this, so someone else should do it. Um, and not not being attached to the title or what that supposedly means about you or or your role at the company, especially after I mean it's probably easier after seventeen years and being one of the co-founders. It's like yeah, you're pretty well cemented. Like no one's going to be like, should we listen to Chad? Like is he does he matter at this company? It feels like an interesting ego challenge. I think probably a lot of people hold on to that title for longer than they maybe should because the job of a CEO is very different from like especially at a scaled up company you know the more people you have the more people operations you have the more the CEO role just mostly becomes about managing people and effectively organizing the people side of an organization right i think there's a lot of people who just don't have that core strength at least start, like a lot of founders don't have that in their you know core set of things they love to do they probably started a company because they really like creating things and you're further away from the hands-on stuff the bigger an organization gets mm-hmm. as the CEO totally goes. That actually brings me to the second person who announced to step Dad, which was Alex McCaw over at Clearbit. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, he shared an email that he sent to the team. He, he, so he describes himself as, for better or worse, I have been a very engineering-focused leader. My strengths lie in the early stages of a company, the proverbial zero to one. Those skills are a critical part of getting a company off the ground, but they're not the skills that take a company to $100 million in revenue. So he is stepping down. They have an interim CEO and they're looking for another one to kind of move them to this larger scale. I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed actually uh, reading this from Alex. And like we've chatted a couple times, but we don't actually know each other that well. And so I don't know how much of this is maybe a little bit of euphemism, I guess. But it was like in this email, the phrase like get to $100 million in revenue shows up like five times. And it's like, we can't get to 100 million with me. And like, if we're going to get to 100 million, we're going to do this. And this person that we find will get us to 100 million. And I, I was like, to me, that felt really kind of empty and de- devoid of meaning. My reaction was like, what is special about 100 million? Yeah. Well, that's the magic number for VCs, right? That's the, that's yeah. the billion dollar unicorn valuation. Yeah. Right. But... I think Clearbit has raised a bit of money. I think they did a seed and maybe an A. Mm-hmm. Did they do another round? Maybe I missed that they did another round and just like I kind of forgot about it. Maybe that's why it's so special. Yeah. I mean, this I have no insider information on this, but it sounds from the outside like this may have been more of a um, board is kind of giving you a graceful out, but kind of like saying like, we need to put in a professional like yeah. CEO. So he, so he addressed this, which I thought was cool, where he said, 
Typically, founders don't reach this conclusion themselves. It's something decided for them by their investors. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to surround myself with an gr- incredible group of people who love me enough to give me critical feedback, and it's with their help that I've come to this decision. Mm-hmm. And also, I just looked it up, and yeah, so in my head, they were like barely VC-backed because they raised $2 million in 2015. And so in my head, that was the last round, and they were just kind of profitable and, and doing their thing. In March of 2019, they raised $15 million. Okay. Yep. So, never mind. <laughs> that explains the hundred million being special, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what you signed up for. You signed up to like make that number special. Even knowing that, I still feel like that's just—it's a little bit like I'm trying to imagine being a person on the Clearbit team and getting this email and being like, "I love building things. I love this company. I'm really excited for the future." But I don't think I can get us to this revenue benchmark. Therefore, I'm going to go be on the board and not be the CEO. And it just feels like a little bit like, oh, I, I don't know. I'd kind of rather work with the founder of something and not be like going after that number. Actually, I may have missed this detail when you were when you were saying it. What's his role now? What's he stepping yeah, into? Yeah, so he's, he's stepping down. He's going to be chairman of the board. Well, okay. Which is kind of a non-operational role. I think so, yeah. Typically. I assume that's pretty advisory. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's the bootstrapper in me or the something in me but i was i was just like 100 like does this get people excited on the clearbit team like is everyone else like yeah no it is good that alex stepped down because otherwise we'll never get to 100 million in revenue and that's the most important thing and that's what i care about and that's what gets me excited to go to work in the morning right i would be probably because i'm doing it right now so if i were working at the company i'd probably be trying to read between the lines a lot on that one you know it does feel like oh this was probably more um, investor pressured than it might be leading on and i would also be wondering like maybe he's just since it's not a like an ic role that he's moving into maybe he's really not enjoying the experience like hasn't enjoyed the experience of trying to be the ceo and like is ready to just move on to something else but it i don't know i guess i would be hoping to see that on paper if that's the case you know he does kind of say that it's kind of weird because the the 100 million gets talked about as the justification a lot but also he says and also like i like the early stages i like you know building the the zero to one so there's a little bit of a mixed message there it's like which one of this really motivated here but right um and it's also just like doing a little slew thing like just having seen some of his tweets recently he's like tweeting about like building stuff with tailwind Mm-hmm. Um, and like asking like dev questions and so it's like it sounds a little bit like he's like hacking on some side projects and like yeah still being like i'm an engineer i like coding yeah um so and clear but i think is there's something like 100 people mm-hmm. um so that's a that's a very managery role uh, mm-hmm. as ceo of a company that big yeah it's a shame that the you can chalk this partly up to the vc model and the pressure that it puts on you to to grow quickly that like under that system, they they weren't able to retain the interest of someone really talented, a really talented founder like Alex. You know, uh, maybe yeah. Uh, there's that pressure. Like Jason Cohen talks about this in his uh, microconf talk, still the best boot talk about bootstrapping of all time, where he says like if if you keep growing, then like the company just keeps getting bigger. Like that, that's what it does. And like you kind of have to keep, you kind of have to hire to like deal with that growth. And so if you are successful, you're gonna be faced with growth. And your role is going to change. And so it's like, I don't know what he... If he was like, I don't ever want to manage that many people, I'm not sure what he could have done if, if the company is succeeding other than just like restrict the growth artificially. So I like to think that it's possible to do to pull like a Jason Cohen, which he basically just fired himself as 
CEO hired somebody and he went into more of a, I don't even know if he had any direct reports. I think when he, when he moved into his, his secondary role, he kind of just got to work on technical stuff and basically be more of a maker and also have a strong advisory role, I I think. But yeah, I think he's CTO right now. Yeah. But I, but I think it was a CTO kind of in name only, like, like he didn't have, that's what I thought at least that for a while, like he didn't have people directly reporting to him, but I could be wrong on that. That's got to be hard as the founder to really move into like to truly become an individual contributor because you'll always have like the words you say, the things you suggest will always carry yeah, more weight because you have so point. much influence, you know? Um, so it's probably really hard to, to pull off in reality to actually just become one of the team members, you know, um, when you have that, that in your, uh, in your history. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's true. <laughs> yep. I've, I've been thinking about this more like as we, are starting to hire more people and, and growing and all that. And it's like, what do, what does the future look like for me and co-founders and all that? So it's interesting to see other people dealing with this and, and the moves that they, they make and the challenges there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you said last week, it's like, yeah, Tupo could have a hundred people one day. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Was like, <laughs> if, if that is true, then what I do in a day looks so different than this year. And I mean, like completely different than last year. Um, and it's like, yeah, you could, the company could grow you into a job that you don't really like anymore. Yep. And then what? And yep. That's, that's a challenge. Hmm. Is it something you're worried about or do you just, do you, do you, how much mental headspace do you give to it? At not, this point? not much right now. It's just been on yeah. my mind because I've seen these two people that I think are, yeah. are, I, I respect as CEOs and think they do a really nice job, uh, mm-hmm. leaving to do other things or not quite mm-hmm. leaving for Chad's case, but I'm not worried about it yet, I would say. For for me in particular, I usually am most stimulated by new challenges and new things. So it, to me, it's it's it seems like it'll be okay. Like if, if the job keeps changing and I have to keep doing new things, even if the new things are not maybe my favorite, if they're new and dynamic, I'll probably like them to just from the, like the, how do I get good at this skill kind of challenge. Right now, I, I do like, I have one day a week with like a number of calls and one-on-ones and like, if that became like four days a week or five days a week, it's like, oh, this doesn't seem very fun Like to wake up and have your day fully scheduled and whatnot. So we'll see. Hmm. And probably a lot of that you can you can dictate. You can probably be the leader of a somewhat large organization and still keep your meeting count lower than the average CEO just by, you know, by being deliberate about architecting things in a certain way. You know, I like to hope at least that that's possible. Yes, I think you could certainly have influence over it. There are some sort of natural um, challenges, I guess, with the if if you do keep growing, where it's like you can be more efficient at support and engineering and all that, but if at the end of the day you're supporting way more people and you're you're taking on more complex projects, um, you hit the limits of kind of efficiency. And I mean, that's what's kind of cool about the journey, though, is you get to we're designing our own systems, processes, and trying to build a machine that is unique. If you're doing your job right, the company's continuing to grow and that you're just paving the way for this wild, this big wild card factor, which is like, what is, what is the business going to demand as it continues to grow? And it's hard to, it's hard to guess that exactly. And, and will that make my job less enjoyable? But yet you, we continue to strive towards that because that's the only thing you can do in business is just keep moving forward, <laughs> you know? Yes. So I'm not spending a lot of time thinking about this because it could be that the problems that we actually experience are so different than than this particular problem. Like it could be that like growth stops. It's like, oh, now this is 
you know, not fun because the numbers aren't going up. And so this is a different kind of problem. I'm not worried about it just yet. It's still fun currently. I guess Clearbit's been around for a while, at least five years, I think, if not more. And so if I were five years into Tuple, would I maybe want to move to an advisory role? Because I'm just like, want to try making a different company or having a different kind of day? That totally could happen. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I get that part. Yep. Yep. How about you? Are you ready to step down because you need SavaCal can't get to 100 million a year if you don't get out? Of yeah, the I mean, I think I'll think I'll cap out at like you know 100,000 a year. So it's time to yeah, time to step down, and uh, I can be chairman of the board. <laughs> More to one. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. How's Corey Haynes working out marketing wise? Have you guys started doing? Has he started doing things for you yet? Well, let's see. Today is Thursday, so we we had our kickoff call on Monday, and I think actually today is going to be the day when he kind of starts putting some real time into stuff. So, so too early to report results, but, but I'm optimistic and excited. And, um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be good. Good experiment. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Anything else going on in Savvy Cal land? Well, so it's only been a couple of days since we last talked, but on the product front, I should be shipping today the ranked availability feature that I talked about last time, one that lets people um, you'll basically specify in order, like I want to first offer up my afternoons or my mornings, and then if that doesn't work, let the person click a button that expands my availability, straddles that line of like, I want to make known my my preferences first, but if that doesn't work for you, I'm willing to accommodate, and you know, it'll be, yep. this, is, yep. this is the first kind it. of like, yeah, it's like an it's like a nuanced feature. I'm not sure if I nailed the execution yet because part of this is about like you want it to be subtle enough where not everybody just always clicks show me more times and always like blows past your preferences, right? So, my first crack at it includes like a slight delay on showing the little text at the bottom that's like having trouble finding a time show more, you know, but like I didn't want that to be too prominent. At first I had like a button and I was like, well, Almost everyone's going to click that. It looks like a CTA. So there's a lot of like little nuanced things to figure out about this. And I think you want to communicate to people like, hey, these are the first choices of the person. You can book these other ones too if you if you must. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's been a fun one to, to kind of work through. And I did some promotion on Twitter of it yesterday and sparked an interesting kind of conversation where people are interested and also like i wonder if this is gonna how this is gonna work out i'm curious to see and i'm like hmm, so am i it's an exciting one because this one really is really pretty novel and i like that i like the differentiation yeah yeah i mean i think just a couple little things like this can go a long way into just giving people like a oh yeah i do like the sound of that feature i'm willing to try you over something else yeah and and um things have continued to go well on the revenue front i'm adding a couple customers a day on average right now so i'm getting dangerously close to the 1k line of mri hey super excited couple about. customer like paid customers yeah yep nice and remind do you have a trial Rem- remind me of what how's, how your work working uh no, no no trial at this point so like you sign up and you can get into the product without putting a credit card on file you can create links but you just can't activate stuff until you upgrade so because basically like you can preview it you can run through it yourself but if you want to share it with someone you know someone else then you have to activate so can you buy annual when you when you activate you can well well i could probably do this um but i just have like one checkout button that takes you to the the monthly purchase thing so i guess i would need to add like another stripe checkout for annual potentially but you can definitely do it through the billing portal you can upgrade so i would love to see what happens if you default it to annual 
Yeah, yeah. That could be interesting. Like if you're signing up a customer, like three or four customers a day, but maybe you sign up one or two customers a day, but they pay you for 10 months of revenue mm-hmm. and can't churn. Right. Get to stick with you long enough for you to make the product amazing. Yeah. Could be, could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Something about annual revenue, like, makes me a little bit nervous. I don't know what it is, and maybe this is irrational, but like, like if someone's paying monthly, then you know that there's a good chance that they are sticking with things, otherwise they would cancel. And with annuals, anytime I've done annuals in the past, like, it's easier for them to just like, well, I paid for this thing already, I own it, and if I stop using it, well, I can just quietly fall away. And so I guess it's just, I don't know how much looming churn risk there is with annuals versus monthly, like, you, there's less concern about that, right? Yeah, I definitely had that in the early days with Tuple, where it's like, we would sign someone up for annual. And in my head, I was like, I was assuming their like renewal chance was like one in 10 or something. I like, I just would discount heavily the idea like a year from now, you're still going to like re like pay again. And like, I don't know. I, I haven't actually looked at what the renewal rates are on annual. We're mostly monthly now. So I get it. I, so I get the, the, like the monthly thing kind of gives you that they're voting every month and giving you that feedback. Like, yep, still good. Still worth it. That's, that's, that's reasonable, I suppose. One argument for the annual is that like it provides you with cash flow up front. If you've raised some money, then uh, the cash flow is maybe a little bit less interesting. I don't know. It feels like still like mortgaged against the future a little bit to, to me because it's like it's it's money up front for their for their subscription. And yeah, there's not like a an actual fixed cost really attached to that aside from main, maintaining the product. But still, it just it's like someone paid this money and if they become unhappy with it and they're they're going to churn out and they would have churned out earlier then it just feels like I've I don't know harvested the revenue too early or something I don't know. Yeah. But then again you have the revenue which is kind of nice. Non-refundable. Yeah. <laughs> From <laughs> like certain a point, business perspective being like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah but I I charged it for a year but they would have churned after 6 months like okay that right. seems kind of like and a feature. So, right. <laughs> yeah, right. As long as I set the cap on when I'm when I would be willing to refund. Yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And of course you're like doing the things to try to retain them as long and like have them be happy and renew again oh, in course. a year. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, but that, that kind of goes without saying. So mm-hmm. given that you're gonna do that, I can't imagine you're gonna just stop, right? So Right, right. I don't know. Could be interesting. Yeah. That might be worth experimenting with. So this has happened a couple times this week, uh, where a couple people emailed and they're like, hey, product looks great. Would really love to try it out before paying. I know $12 is not that much, but that's just just food for thought. Like, I would Come like on. to try it <laughs> I know. And generally, my, my approach has been like, sorry, don't have a trial. But I'm experimenting with, like, I just immediately activate their account for them. And instead of doing the back and forth thing, it's like, it's really not hard for me to do that. So I've done this twice now. And I don't know if I'll continue to do it, but it's like, that's a way to really like I, I'm sure they're expecting me to say like sorry we don't have a trial so instead I'm like what if I just turn this on its head and just just delight them with like oh cool your your account's active go ahead and try it and uh-huh. I don't know to see yeah to see I mean that's nice like. from a delight perspective but then does it do they do they convert has it worked well I don't know to to be determined so I'm basically like oh, I'll, I, I'll activate it for a week and so next week I set a calendar reminder to deactivate their account if they don't upgrade before uh, before a week's time so gotcha yeah yeah hmm. Interesting. Man, yeah, for 12 bucks. I like, know. Can I have a trial of this <laughs> half a pizza? Right. <laughs> I'm worried I might buy this ha- like small pizza and then not like it. Yeah. Come on. 
I know. I know. You should just email them and say, for you, it's 30 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a trial, but then it costs, yeah, it costs $15 a month instead of 12 or something. <laughs> you can have a one-day trial, but then it, I'm going to charge you for two years. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of thing I don't necessarily want to, like, encourage, but I kind of like getting creative with, like, doing things by request. I mean, I think that, I don't know, I've thought one thing I've thought about is, you know, not offering a trial. But if someone gets in and has a certain number of touch points in the product but just hasn't activated yet, then, like, sending a strategically timed email later on to say, like, hey, do you just want to activate this for a week right now? You know, so people who are willing to try it right away and just activate, cool, they're they're set. But the other people who are kind of lagging, like, incentivizing them to... Yeah, I'll well, give you a trial or I, or just maybe automatically activating it for them. Like, hey, just so you know, you have premium now for a week. So if you want to try it out and I don't know, that yeah. could, that could move. Sure. Things. No, yes. I think that, that, that seems like a, a really good thing to just have to automate once and just try. Yep. Yep. Yeah, sounds good. And yeah, overall, I mean, I like the idea of like delighting people if they're like, hey, can I, have a, can I do a whatever? And you're just like, yeah, here you go. That's especially in the early days, building those, those serious fans is, is awesome. Yep. Yep. Are you asking people to tweet about it at all? You know, I don't have that in part of the flow, but I probably should. That worked well with the when building the initial list because that was an ask I put up front um, on that. So, yeah. Yep. That could be cool. Mm-hmm. That, that works well for us. At what point do you add to make the ask? Right now, uh, when people do their, when they rate their fifth call, five stars. Mm, nice. Yeah. Say, hey, that's awesome. Hooray. And then would you mind sharing a tweet? and that's cool we get a lot of them yeah and back in the day we did it after like mailing list sign up and whatnot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know what the, the take rate is on it but like there's a steady stream of people saying nice things about us and like we know that a lot of customers find us that way it's just been it's an automated thing that took 20 minutes to set up and has been running and mm-hmm. generates mm-hmm. revenue yeah easy to do need more things like that yeah but yeah people do things you ask them sometimes right yeah no, it's true. but you gotta ask Mm-hmm. yeah i mean the the fun <laughs> the fun stuff on like social proof this happened a couple of weeks ago but someone asked like hey people I've, i'm seeing a lot of stuff about like savvy cal like let's does anyone have some honest takes on how this product works? like is it good is it worth it and i just replied and i was like i think and i at mentioned like four customers like i think these people will have you know a, an honest take to give you and then it just turned into this whole pile on of like <laughs> people giving testimonials and actually some of that i'm going to pull and use on yes. the site i think because they've been publicly yeah. tweeted like it's fair game totally oh yeah that's fair game that was really fun because it's like i instead of me telling you all the reasons why you should like this or trying to like you know make you take my word for it like here's a couple people that i know are active on twitter that use the product and love it so yeah i i cheat um on this sometimes we're like so i see someone tweet like anyone try tuple and i'll retweet it knowing that it's you know it's full of people yep. that are our fans yep. i try yep. not to i don't i try not to do it all the time because a i just think that's kind of boring content for my followers like i don't want to do yeah, that a lot totally. yep um and it's clearly like you're cheating a little bit so mm-hmm. it's only i only try it occasionally yeah use with moderation yes yeah. exactly yeah i'm trying not to get into expensive watches <laughs> Ooh. so the temptation is there i'm slowly failing <laughs> okay but i've succeeded thus far yeah have i have i told you the the crazy thing about fancy watches to me we may have talked about this but but do tell again so if you buy a watch for 20 dollars, it will have a quartz movement meaning uh they use this tiny little quartz crystal 
that vibrates at a certain number of times per second. It's like an electric process. It like keeps incredibly accurate time and will run for many, many years until you need to replace the battery. If you buy a fancy watch, you have to wind it using your own stupid hands. <laughs> and it has this intricate, incredibly complicated mechanical process in it that's very sensitive, um, that requires occasional maintenance that costs a lot of money and is less accurate. Mm-hmm. Sounds like um, a great investment. Yeah, it's it's such, it's like it's this it's the stupidest thing. We definitely talked about this, right? I, I think I, we I, have before. Um, yeah, I don't want. Right, so I don't want to go into my my thing, but like, there's a couple of watches that I just think are pretty cool because they have interesting mm-hmm. like legacies. Mm-hmm. Like the there's this watch called the Moon Watch by Omega, and it was like the watch that like the Apollo program used with the mm-hmm. astronauts. It's like all right, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. There's that history there. But it's it's like you have to like you have to wind the stupid thing. <laughs> it's like I know. it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like a weird intricate toy that you bought just because it is complicated. It's a testament to human ingenuity. Now, granted, it's kind of funny that like all that technology didn't just get scrapped once they figured out the quartz thing. They're like, actually, this is far superior, so we don't need this. But people like analog things over digital all the time. And yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it is, right? It's, it's like, right. It's like the vinyl of mm-hmm. telling right. time right <laughs> right there's our episode title right there <laughs> yeah right i like it but and, and like it's so funny to see like reviews of these fancy watches because they will spend so much time talking about like the history and the history of the place that made it and how it's in switzerland and wow isn't that amazing and like you have to do this because at the end it's like it's still a stupid watch right and it costs four thousand dollars and so to make anyone think that that is reasonable you have to like build up this whole mystique about it um and so mostly i found that i'm rather unconvinced by the mystique um except in this one particular case of like this is the apollo moon watch okay that's kind of cool i kind of like that but it's like oh no this is this is the wedge this is how they get you to spend that much money on a on a time piece yeah, I mean, there's uh, even the fact that you're calling it a timepiece. Um, I know. Just, <laughs> I, know. I hate myself. It's not. I don't a, want to become this it's person. It's not a movie. It's cinema. It's film. I'm trying. I'm trying not to become this person. But it's man, marketing. People. People are good at marketing. Well, and I think there are some marketing lessons to pull from these types of industries potentially. Putting forth the storytelling um, is that that right. works building this beings. brand and this mystique mm-hmm. around the brand and mm-hmm. yeah yep so um i just want everyone to know that inside tuple is a uh, fully analog handcrafted uh streaming mechanism (laughs) (laughs) forged in the swiss alps Um, you plug a little hand crank into a usb port to charge it up (laughs) and it only lasts a couple days (laughs) yes oh man all right maybe that's enough tomfoolery you want to wrap it let's wrap it all right. Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See you.